And the reading is from Romans 10, 13 to 14. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can, we, can they call on the one who they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And Philippians 2, 12 to 16. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of the life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Great, thanks, Anna. Mike, why don't you come up? We'd love to pray for you before you uh, speak to us this morning. Why don't we stretch out a hand if you feel comfortable to do so? Father, we thank you for Mike, and we thank you for um, just the, the man of God that he is. We just pray you bless him now as, as he brings your words to us. And I pray, Lord, that um, your heart would uh, be spoken to us this morning um, through um, your words into Mike's words. And I just pray you bless our hearts to receive all that you're saying to us this morning, uh, the encouragement, but also the challenge. And we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. Thanks, Pete. Morning, everyone. Good to see you. Um, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Following God into the Neighbourhood. And um, just for those of you, because different, different ones of us, we meet in or out, we're sometimes in community, we sometimes miss some of the sermons that have been preached, although I'm sure you will catch up with them on the web afterwards. Um, but we've been looking at this idea of God moving into the neighbourhood. That's what we were talking about over Christmas, wasn't it? God, the Word became flesh. God moved into the neighbourhood. He came to live amongst us, to show us who God is. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, bit of theology. It's a beautiful understanding about who God is, that he loves us so much that he comes close to us to show us who he is. And we've been thinking about what does that mean for us? Because Jesus says... In um, John 20, 21, you just pop the next slide up, please, Brian. Thank you. John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. So we've been thinking about this. As God moves into the neighborhood, we too are called to move into the neighborhood. What does that mean? And that's what we've been looking at over the past few weeks. And we've said, what was it that Jesus revealed to us? What was it about God that Jesus revealed to us? What does the kingdom look like, if you like? When we look at the way Jesus was, the way he spoke to people, the, way, the things that he did, what does it tell us about God? What does it tell us about his kingdom? And so we thought about things like justice. The kingdom of God looks like justice for people. People who are pushed out to the margins are welcomed in. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God looks like wholeness to, for people. Health, um, being made whole before God. It looks like reconciliation. Reconciliation between people. It looks like reconciliation between us and the Father. And Jesus demonstrated these aspects of who God was and what the kingdom is like when he came. And as the Father sent Jesus, so we too are sent to do likewise, to be demonstrations of the kingdom. We also talked last week about it not being about having perfect lives, thank goodness. 
It's about God working through the jars of clay that we are. The light shining through, treasure in jars of clay. That as we choose to step into the neighborhood, he will do the work in us and through us to bring people to an understanding, to awaken people, if you like, to who God is and what he's like. He can use, use it all. So as the Father has sent me, so I send you. If, in a sense, it's not quite as catchy a title, but this sermon could, could easily have been about lessons we learn from God sending himself into the world. Lessons we learn from God sending himself into the world, into our neighborhoods. And then considering what do we learn about ourselves. So today I want to look at one particular word and that word is proximity. We're going to go a little bit more detail today, a little bit more practical. We've thought about what is this kingdom that God reveals in Jesus that we're called to somehow represent and I want to look at this idea that God came close and so you and I are called to come close to our neighborhoods to move into our neighborhoods and this word proximity closeness is important isn't it in relationship closeness is important any of you who have um got family or friends who aren't living in the same city as you, you'll probably be really thankful for things like Skype and FaceTime because it enables you to have conversation with people that you care about and love. But it's not the same, is it, as being in the same room as that person, as being able to walk through the door and give them a hug, as being able to sit with them. It's not the same, is it? Skype and FaceTime's great, but it's not the same as closeness. It's not the same as proximity, as being near those people. Closeness changes the dynamic for you when you're in the room, when you're with people. We visited family over the summer who live in the States, and we, spend, we do a lot of time um, FaceTiming and, and catching up, but there was nothing like being in the same room as the family, you know, the family together, eating meals around a table together. You can't, you can't beat that. You can't copy that. You can't replicate that. Proximity is important. Jesus moved, God moved into the neighborhood in Jesus. People could taste what it was like. They sat around a table eating meals. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's people in fellowship together, sitting together. They could see, they could touch what the kingdom of God looked like. They could experience firsthand, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. Firstly in Jesus and then in the early church. And closeness enables learning. You know the word disciple means someone who is a learner. Closeness enables learning. Learning through experiencing. Seeing, hearing, touching, tasting. Jesus was seen speaking to and touching the people excluded from society. People around Jesus learnt what the kingdom of God was by being in proximity to him, being close to him. They saw him heal people. They heard him speak. They saw him get angry in the temple. They saw how he chose to deny his own rights, to give up his own rights, gave up his life, allowing himself to be tortured and killed. They saw that firsthand and learned that this is what God was like by proximity of God to them. They saw it. They learned what the kingdom of God was like firsthand. Proximity, closeness makes this possible. 
It makes possible this type of learning. And this is the essence of discipleship. The disciples, by being around Jesus, learned what God was like. They learned what the kingdom was like. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? If you're in any way involved in education, we talk, don't we, about it. It's not just about the words that you say. It's about actually experiencing things. It's the doing, isn't it, that helps you learn. This is why schools send children on foreign exchanges, you know, into the countries of the language that they're learning, because they are close to that country. They're close to the people who actually speak that language, and they learn by being there. Proximity is important. I've said before that I became a Christian when I was meant to be on mission. I was, I was meant to be on a mission team and I realised as I was on this team of people doing mission that I actually wasn't a Christian because as I sat round a table with the people I was on a team with and ate a meal with them and had a cup of coffee with them and heard them talking about Jesus and heard, saw the way that they cared for each other, heard the stories of how God had worked in their lives, I realised I didn't know God the way that they did. It was as I came close, as I spent time with them in the same room, as these people who knew Jesus, I saw who Jesus was. And I wanted it. And I realized I didn't know him the way that they did. We've been, as a family, on a couple of mission trips with YWAM, Youth with a Mission, to different countries. And when you spend time with people who are passionate about Jesus and going out into the world and doing things for him, it's infectious. Closeness is important. Spending time with people who know Jesus is important. You catch it. You see what God is like in their lives. Jesus said to you and me, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Go and help people learn about me, is what he was saying. By being close to them, go and help them learn about me. And as you, le- as you and I learn about him, as you learn about me, he says, you will become more like me so then you can go and help others learn about me. The early church carried on in the closeness that Jesus demonstrated. And the Lord added to their number. Can you remember? People were attracted to who they were as they lived amongst the people. They revealed something of God. They awakened people's spirits to who God was. And people saw it by the way they loved each other, by the way they cared for each other, by the miracles that had done it in their midst. They demonstrated the kingdom and people wanted that. Proximity makes this possible. I made, mentioned a quote last week that I think is really good from a guy called Alan Scott and I put it on a slide this week. God didn't enter your life so you could become a believer and attend a church. He entered your life so you could come alive in his presence and bring life to everything and everyone you encounter. That's the truth of who you and I are called to be. And if we don't get that, we're losing out on what the gospel is for you and me and for the world into which we're called to be close to. Here's the thing. Everyone is a disciple. Everyone is a disciple. You're a disciple. I'm a disciple. People who don't yet know Jesus are disciples in that they are all, we are all, learning from something. We're all influenced by something. Everyone is a learner. The question is, who are you learning from? 
Who influences and speaks into your life? Who are you close to? What are you close to? What is the proximity in your life of the things that influence you? Who do you choose to be close to? What do you choose to be close to? What shapes you? Who shapes you? The time that you give to different influences in your life will determine your answer to this question. Is it people you hang out with? Are they the ones that you learn from? Is it social media commentary? Spending time on Facebook? Being influenced by what's said there? Does that disciple you? Does that shape you? Is it the writings of the Bible? Spending time in his word. Do you allow that to disciple you? Is it the writings of script writers in Hollywood who've just written the latest Netflix binge series? Does that disciple you? What disciples you? What influences you? What shapes the culture that you have? Is it the Christian community that you choose to be part of? Is it the people that you choose to spend time with, even if sometimes you don't feel like it, but you know it's good for you? We're all disciples of something or someone. Who or what disciples you? What or who do you need to increase proximity to, closeness to? What or who do you need to decrease proximity or closeness to? It struck me that the people who chose to hang around with Jesus, to be close to him, to answer his invite, to be with him, to follow him, in order to do that, they chose not to be close to other things or other people. They had to, didn't they, in order to give time to be with him. I just want to pause for a moment and just allow us to quietly ask God, what disciples me? Be honest. Be honest with you and God and say, what is it that is shaping my thinking and shaping me? You are a disciple, whether you like it or not. But you have a choice as to what you're a disciple of or who you're a disciple of. What shapes your life? Can I encourage you to, if you, as you've thought about this, to not just lose it, maybe make a note of it. If you feel that God is challenging you about something that you are allowing to shape your life, to disciple you, make a note of it. Don't just lose it and think about it. Think about what you can do about it. We're very good at hearing God sometimes. We sometimes struggle to do something about what he says to us. Um, But that's discipleship as well as we hear him speak to us, as we learn from him. And then as we recognize our learning, recognize our discipleship, he says, go into the world and make learners of me, make disciples of me. Go into the world, be amongst people, be the flavor, be the experience of the kingdom. Go into the world, 
Proximity is key to this. We have to go into the world. We have to live amongst the neighborhoods. And by neighborhoods, we're not just talking about our street, although it does include that, that we live on. We're talking about the places where we spend life, our workplaces, our leisure places, our family life. That is our neighborhood. Those are our neighborhoods. Go into the neighborhoods. We wish, don't we, that we could influence people by writing books and by them just turning up to our church. That would be so easy, wouldn't it? But it doesn't work that way. It's not God's way. We wish we could send message to people and they'd just go like that. Occasionally, maybe you'll get the old testimony of that happening. But it's not the way Jesus did things. It's not the way God does things. He moves into where people are. And he reveals who the kingdom is, where people are. And it's the same for us. We're asked to move in close. Yesterday, in the community that I'm part of, someone rang up and said, what are you doing today? Um, Asked as if we were doing anything. We were going on a walk and we wanted to be together as a family, go, go for a walk. But part of being on a community and recognizing that I'm a disciple, I'm a learner, means spending time with other people who are also learning about Jesus. And so we chose to spend time with this person as well. That's part of what it means to be in community. You make choices about who you spend time with. We're called to make our lives available for those who don't yet know how to do know Jesus yet. How will people know who God is and what is important to him? That passage we read. How will they know? How will people who don't yet know Jesus know what God is like if they don't see it through the people of God living in the neighborhood? How will they know? What will awaken them to who God is? The medium is entirely the message. We, you and I, are the medium by which the message is revealed. If this is true, then, there are implications. I've already mentioned it. God didn't expect people to come to him, did he? He came to people. We talk about, don't we, that he, considered, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. He gave up his rights, God did, as God and chose to clothe himself in humanity because his love for us was so great that the, he knew the only way we could fully grasp who he was was, be, was to limit himself, to make himself a little baby, a vulnerable child, a killable human being because of his love for us. So often in the church, we expect those who don't know Jesus to make the cultural jumps. Think how hard it is for people who have no experience of Christianity to walk into a place like this. Think how hard it is. We've grown up with it, a lot of us. We know what it is about. We know the reference points. But for so many people, this is just an alien environment. God limited himself. He made the cultural jumps and chose to move where people are. He became part of their culture so that they could know who God was and become all that they were created to be. That's our calling as a church. That's why as a church here at St. Thomas, we've always said discipleship is important. It's really important that we know what informs the things that we talk about. This is what informs us. 
This is, what we, this is why we talk about it. And that's why we often talk about this Sunday gathering not just being what church is. It's one expression of who we're called to be. One illustration I, I find helpful is that this is the place for equipping. This is, where, um, this is the place where, um, if you like, it's like a service station, it's not a stately home. What I mean by that. A stately home is where you, you spend loads of money on it, you make it look really beautiful, and you hope that people will come and pay and come and spend and visit and go around. You make it as attractive as possible so people will come and see it. A service station is more like a place that people come to. They get refueled. They maybe spend time resting, and then they carry on on the journey. That's what the gathering is about. When um, we travelled in France once on holiday, we were travelling in two separate cars. We We were on the same journey. We were doing our journey in a separate cars, and we arranged to meet at a service station. And as we met at the service station, we did exactly that. We refueled, we, we, um, we had a coffee, we rested a little bit. We talked about the journey that we'd been on, you know, what it's been like. We're nearly there, we haven't got far to go, come on, we'll be there. And then we set off again on the journey. That is what this is about, what we're doing here this morning. We're equipping each other, we're encouraging each other, we're having time with God. We're reminding ourselves about who God is so that we can go That's why we talk about communities being so important to us, as important as what we do here on a Sunday morning. That's why. And lastly, the the other implication about crossing the boundaries, about us going to people, about proximity to closeness to people, is that there is a cost to it. And it would be wrong not to talk about the cost to that. I've already said that for God it meant becoming human, becoming killable, and becoming vulnerable, giving up his rights. For the followers of Jesus today, there is a cost to choosing to be a learner of Jesus and take that out into our neighborhoods. It may be a financial cost. It might be choosing not to work every hour or in certain jobs even so that there's more space in our lives to actually be with people. One of my friends, who I learn a lot from, who I'm discipled by, if you like, has chosen to live a life doing and training people into missions. Financially, because of the skills he had, he could earn loads. But he's chosen not to because of what he's called to be and what he's called to do. It may be a cost to our time. Choosing to spend time with people instead of having time to yourself. The, I deserve me time. It's a big thing for us, isn't it, in our society? It's about me. I, I need to have that time. Sometimes there's a cost to our time when we choose to be people who go out as disciples as of others to show people who God is. The community that I'm part of, we've chosen to, um, every other week, or sorry, once a month, we have this meatball and spaghetti night where we, we, we eat together, meatballs and spaghetti, simple, easy to do, and we're trying to invite neighbours into... Now, do I always want to spend time with neighbours at the end of... No, there's a cost to it, but actually God's great when you do stuff like that. In four years of living in Sheffield, we've never really done that. And just recently, 
both of our neighbours have come and sat around our table, had meatballs and spaghetti. It's simple. It's not anything big. And then they've invited us around to their house. I'm only saying this as an example. I'm saying this as an example of just have a go. Just have a go. But, you know, I know the feeling that we all have. I don't want to do that. I want my space. I want to just spend time with me. But there's a cost to this. We need to recognize it. But just see what God does when you choose to do those little steps with him. There may be a cost to your reputation. That living as a blessing amongst people means that you get poked fun at sometimes. Because you stand for something different. You awaken them to something different. Next week we're going to have TED Talks again where people in the church will be talking about their experience of living their lives um, out in the neighborhood. And the, the title for that is Questionable Lives, Living Lives That Raise Questions. If you raise questions in people, it sometimes makes it difficult for you. Again, my, my brother-in-law, he's got a real loyalty to his friends. And so his friends, he goes out with them, spends time with them. It's, he loves doing that. They once decided that they were going to go to Spearmint Rhino, you know, like a, a, a men's club. And um, he said, I'm not going in there. That's not what I stand for. So he sat on his own in the foyer of Spearmint Rhino while his mates went in there on his own. And then they all had a, ridiculed him for it. But he got to have conversations with them about why the kingdom of God values people and values women, you know, and doesn't treat people this way. And he got, but he got ridiculed in the process. It was a cost to him. But he stood up for something of the kingdom by doing that. There's sometimes a cost to our reputation when we stand up for what the kingdom is about. But there's also a great joy. You and I get to be the bringers of good news. We get to be the bringers of good news of what the kingdom is like to people. That's what we get to do. We get to help people awaken to the possibility of God in their lives. How can they know if they've not heard? And we get to be people who shine God's light into the world, revealing his heart, revealing his values. And we get to see people become learners of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. So the last slide, this is just a little challenge for us as we come to the end. And we're going to have communion together. And I would suggest that, um, I'm going to give a bit of quiet at the end of it. But um, I would suggest in communion, we use that as a time to just bring before God anything that he is um, speaking to us about in this. You and I are sent people, sent to live in closeness to each other as the family of God. And to those who don't yet know Jesus, do you believe this? Is that foundational to your understanding of what it means to be part of the people of God? If you don't, ask God to help you with that. Then ask the question, where have you been sent? For some of you, it will already be where you are. You're already there. For others of you, it might be something God is saying to you. I'm calling, he's calling you somewhere else. But where have you been sent Name it or ask God to show you who are the people he sent you to be amongst. And then the last one, which we've mentioned already, who or what do you learn from and who learns from you? So let's just have a moment of quiet and then we'll move. We straight into communion, Pete.
I didn't know. 